And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good. The bad. And the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes the movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris Thomas, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing pretty alright, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty alright, too. I, I, I'm having, like, deja vu. I had, like, a work meeting today that we usually have on a Monday and but because last Monday was a holiday that meeting got pushed to Thursday last week mm. and so everyone was on the call like do you have any updates and be like no, no. not really because we just met a couple days ago and, and nobody does anything on Friday so so uh. and and here we are like little peek behind the curtain we've been recording on Thursdays just because it's worked mm-hmm. with our with our current schedule and so we're actually recording on a Monday and so I'm all like thrown off I'm like we just talked to each other like four days ago <laughs> and crammed all these movies movies in in a three-day time span one day off and then three days on to get these movies knocked out absolutely well i i'm looking forward to it this is an interesting uh subject you have here today but i'll kick it over to you these are essentially like crime crime movies in which there is a heist or an exchange of some kind and uh people there's infighting and and it, it devolves into um to deception and distrust and ultimately uh, bloodshed. So yeah. I will kick it over to you to to talk a little bit about your why you wanted to do this category and then introduce the the movies. Well, much in the same vein of, of previous episodes we've done, I made this category after watching uh, Let the Corpses Tan and then needing to fit it in somewhere so we could talk about it. Um, so I, I kind of landed on this and and wanted to sort of frame it around. Um, sort of the the glut of movies that came out in the post Tarantino post uh, post Reservoir Dogs era um it ended up not fitting for a couple of reasons uh, one of those being uh, a potential movie we w- maybe we're going to talk about was going to be The Item but I decided not to since I know that that is uh the RLM we don't live like I think we said before like we don't live in a in a vacuum we understand that uh Red Letter Media exists uh we are fans of their show and they have covered The Item and so I wanted to avoid covering yet another red letter media movie um, plus you and i actually watched a snippet of it because when you still lived in seattle and we were like really going i have it on vhs because we found it at a thrift store mm-hmm. the same day we found the vcr so we used it as a test because we rented some movie from scarecrow and i'm like well i don't want the vcr if it doesn't work to eat scarecrow's tape so then let's we'd have to pay for it and it'd be because then we'd have to pay gobs. for it so then we're like, well, let's. There's a copy of the item, so we'll buy that. It ruins that. Who cares? But like the five minutes we watched of it too was like was enough to be like, no, I don't. We don't want to talk about this movie. <laughs> putting that in the case on the very back of the shelf, never look at it again. No, um, so yeah. So it, like, I it just I knew it was going to be a miserable experience. I didn't want to put us through it just for the sake of doing it. And it's it's uh, it's already been tread ground. Um, 
So we kind of hodgepodged it together uh, from a movie that we had already watched together at the theater when I lived in Seattle. Yes. Um, knowing that that was going to be the bad. And then uh, a suggestion from you because it fits the uh, you know criminals turn on each other because they're criminals and they're amoral assholes um, sort of genre that we were going for here. And I know this is a good, bad, what? We may disagree a little bit on some of the points. To me, this is a good, bad, and then bad runner-up. Uh, <laughs> a less good, bad, and less bad. <laughs> right. Still still very bad, but not this particular brand of bad. Um, but I, we'll get into it. I, I think that there's merits to it. And I think that's kind of edges out slightly but well it's um, also kind of a wild card too because if you want to kind of go back to your initial thesis i don't think you were wrong in necessarily this like sort of tarantino influence because like the it's wild too because tarantino isn't making movies like reservoir dogs or pulp fiction anymore yet there's still imitators he hasn't for a long time and yet those imitators still come out of the woodwork but Mm -hmm. i mean if you look at our good and our bad i mean our good you know takes a lot of influence from like italian spaghetti weather oh yeah spaghetti westerns and and uh hopefully i'm pronouncing that correctly correctly we'll get into that a little bit and then when we talk about it and then uh our bad movie has the like you know people talking in in hip like quippy dialogue and whatnot so it's like both movies kind of do different respects of the tarantino thing and then our what is a complete it fits the conceit that you're doing but it's like a wild card in terms of tone yeah but we'll we'll it's all over the fucking place in terms of tone um but yeah i i will we'll get the picks out of the way so that we we can stop uh dancing around and and refer to them by their actual titles uh but so, uh, as I've already said, I chose Let the Corpses Tan from 2017 as our good, uh, directed by uh, Helene Catet and Bruno Forzani. Uh, the bad is going to be Free Fire from 2017, directed by Ben Wheatley. And the what is Sabotage from 2014, directed by David Ayer. Um, two weeks in a row with a David Ayer pick on the list neither one and, of them the good pick i just point that out real quick <laughs> well and, and we won't do a david ayer movie for a very long time uh <laughs> it, it just it just Mercifully. so happened it just so happened you were looking for a pick and i'm like well it would involve doing a movie of his two weeks in a row but i i got one that will fit for you <laughs> i i know we've definitely had uh maybe not directors two weeks in a row but we've we've had um, like writers two weeks in a row. I think we've done a couple of Kevin Williamson movies two weeks in a row. Yes, um, we have. So it, it happens every once in a while. And, you know, uh, it happens it happens once. It's a it's an anomaly. It happens twice. It's a pattern kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it, I think, uh, two movies from now. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> but we'll start on a high note uh, and get right into Let the Corpses Tan from 2017. Um, a movie that I watched uh, last year, I, I believe it was uh, Maben Severin who put the Blu-ray out. Uh, it's Kino Lorber. Kino, actually. okay, yeah. 
Yeah, uh, they were not, having not a to sale. push my glasses up against my nose. But uh, <laughs> no, thank you for yeah. correcting me. I I always forget where I got the DVDs from. But they were having a sale. Um, it, it's a movie that had been on my list forever because I mean, first off, the the title is incredible. Yeah. Um, so I like it, another one of those as we talked about in our uh, uh, a day of judgment uh, discussion is that the title got me and uh, it got me to actually pay for the Blu-ray, and so glad that I did because I. I fell in love with this movie uh, it, it, uh, to an extent. It's not like, you know, an incredible movie. I think that there's some faults to it and we'll get into those. But um, just from a pure like experience thing blew away my expectations. Um, so I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it because I did get this for you as a gift. Hoping that you would like it, and so now that you've oh, actually did seen you get it, it for me as a gift, I think I don't so. Re- did I not? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, I thought I, I did. It might have been Day of the Beast that you did. I know I that. I did get you Day sure. of the Beast, um, but I, I do. I mean, I, I'm glad I watched it. This was on my list forever as well. Um, I know a, hmm. a friend of the show, Colin Teal, had seen it when it played the Grand Illusion here in Seattle, and was like, you know, was recommended it, and I was uh, had been on my list ever since. And same, Kino Lorber does a sale like every quarter, and they they do have really good sales. Uh, they they do, yeah. and I've seen at the corpses tan on it, and I've just just hadn't quite uh, pulled the trigger like most people in this movie do um, on it. But I liked this movie overall. Okay. Um, yeah, I thought it was it was a um, it was a very interesting sort of like like you said experiential movie, which I kind of didn't really expect. Mm. I didn't really know anything of about it other than the sort of conceit because you put it in this episode in the title sure um and i'm not really familiar with the other with the filmmakers other body of work but they seem to um have quite a uh quite a little cult following among film mm-hmm. circles and i think their mo definitely seems to be um influenced heavily by italian genre cinema um given that their previous movie Looking at the poster and the name, which I, I had to look up the name, the strange color of your body's tears. Having knowing nothing about it, be like, well, that's a giallo, like, <laughs> yeah. like just, just, it's a, little, it's a long title, and, and it's got a color in the title. Mm. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, which they implore a lot of giallo, uh, sort of like you know Italian cinema hallmarks in this movie as well. They, they, there a couple times they use the like the famous all the colors of the dark uh, shot, like the honeycomb. Uh, shot they do a do a couple times mm. there's there's something in this movie that like sometimes works for me and sometimes drives me nuts but i i thought it worked in this movie is like the music because i i was like this sounds familiar like not just like somebody imitating like this sounds familiar and the music drops are actual you know italian genre cinema scores and mm. cues like there's one from death walks at midnight there's one from um the fifth chord there's two from uh zombie holocaust aka dr butcher md um and what a pedigree what is we're running the gamut here and so i i and i think maybe because they didn't go to the top shelf with it it didn't drive me nuts like you know what i love quentin tarantino but sometimes he does that shit and it's annoying like yeah django unchained uses the actual theme from django and the theme from day of anger and it's like these are two very famous spaghetti westerns like that people could point out same with there's a movie that we will eventually talk about because i've talked about it so much in conjunction with other movies this movie called piercing mm-hmm. uh which i really like but it does drop the the deep red theme oh and i'm just like 
like maybe the most recognizable theme in all of Giallo cinema. So it's just, I mean, it slaps. Don't get me wrong, but it's also like, really, like I don't, I don't yeah. know. But but this movie is more like it's kind of like the they're... Wilhelm scream for the the Giallo audience. Like everyone yeah. is just like, ah, what an you obvious know, like, choice, sort of super obvious choice for yeah. sure. No, absolutely. But I do think that. Um, I used this phrase last week with, I think with Birds of Prey, talking about like curating a tone with the music. And that's what I feel like they do with this movie is they they curate a tone Mm. really well. Um, And I love the sort of structure. Like I love the cutting to like where they're at time wise because it's about a 12 hour stretch. It's not very long, like 12, anywhere between 12 to 24 hours. Um, But I think like I, I loved the sort of like, I love that it was experiential because like I was kind of expecting a more, I don't want to say conventional, but like there was certainly more plot at the start of the movie for sure. And then it sort of just gets into this weird phantasmagorical, like uh, crazy, you know, almost, you know, dreamscape sort of. Yeah. Cause it's, it's, it's got the hallmark of a policio Shetty, which are like the crime film, like Italian crime films which were very hard edged and reflected of like Italian politics at the time. So it's kind of got that setup um going for it and then it's sort of like yeah, then it becomes like almost like a like an El Topo, like Alejandro Jodorowsky <laughs> movie, yeah. you know, like I which I kind of didn't didn't expect. Um but I was like with it. I was with it. I was with it uh the whole time. I would say maybe like the last 20 minutes lost me a little bit and not not necessarily like maybe a second viewing would help but i was Mm. sort of just like wait like like it was almost like the plot the plot portion and the crazy trippy version like didn't quite stick a a satisfying landing but Mm -hmm. uh, but i was along for the ride the sound design in this movie is incredible too the visuals are great and um you know this is the first of these filmmakers i've seen and i definitely want to check out the other movies uh now that i've seen this yeah, same. I, the the strange color of your body's tears I, uh, is on my list, and so is another movie they made called A Mare. Yes, uh, which yeah, yeah. L- I think that one it looks like a straight up Jalo. Um, so I mean, definitely on board for both of those. But one thing that you mentioned in there, sound design, oh, <laughs> incredible. Like that, there are very few movies that I've like taken for a spin on my home theater setup. Um, uh, yes. and this was not one of those that I was expecting to really let it go. And I, the first movie, the first night that I watched this, I was a, a little bit, uh, uh, imbibed. Um, so I was like, nice. you know, toasty and, and ready for a show. And, uh, I think Megan had gone to bed or, or she was, you know, turned in early. So then I was able to turn up the sound system a little bit more than I'm, I'm uh, allowed to typically. And, uh, like let it go and then i was not expecting this to have such like just like gripping leather and crunching boots on sand and the the guns are like indiana jones it's oh man oh yeah well it's got those like italian like bullets flying like Mm -hmm. effects Mm -hmm. Uh, which is great and yeah that's just the sound of like you said tightening leather i was like did did rob halford direct this movie (laughs) Because it's hell-bent for leather. Uh, oh, man. Uh, it's just wearing leather jackets, shifting around in leather seats with leather gloves on, gripping the the like the like hilt of their gun, and you're just like... Everything's just like whining and stuff. And it's just... Yeah. The... the 
I agree with what you said about the last 20 minutes of this movie kind of losing it a little bit. And I think it's because the the plot of the movie, which I'll just, it's like I wrote like a one sentence synopsis, which covers all of it. Uh, following a successful gold heist, a group of robbers hole up at a hilltop haven. But when someone decides to make off with the loot, a bloody tense battle ensues. And that's basically it. Like they they yeah. get to the point, like we see the, uh, the, the heist happen, which is very much like, low budget heat where there's an armored vehicle that has um gold bars in it they uh pick off the 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 uh couriers from a distance they get the gold and they take it back to this place that they're gonna like lay low for a bit and then take off um but then as soon as it's sort of found out like the gold is missing and uh, some uh, a police officer, a couple of police officers, sh- officers show up to do like a check, and then shit goes off the deep end pretty quickly, where they, it ensues into a gun battle. But once the gun battle begins, then it's just like an exercise in editing and sound design, and it just kind of carrying you through because like the dialogue takes a backseat. We start really getting to into some of like. Uh, like trippy um dreamlike uh imagery where there's a, a nude woman covered in gold paint and gold glitter which is like symbolic of the the temptation of the like, greed and wealth and and kind of overcoming these men um and is much more ethereal and so then when you try and like okay well in the last 20 minutes we have to tie up this super loose framework plot with this weird dreamlike energy that we've carried through the last 40 minutes of the movie, they just clash. Like you, you already kind of let go of the plot to go along with the ride. And then like, Oh, now you're wanting me to get back invested in like the characters and their motivations and where we're going. Like I, I lost that a long time ago. <laughs> yes. No, for sure. I, I, I think that's, that's, that's always the, the difficulty when you're doing a sort of like, like an experiential movie like that, like mm-hmm. where it's like you get you really got to just like lay the pedal to the floor, um, you know, and and because like the characters in this movie are not like very like fleshed out, like they're no. not super drawn, you know, but like, I mean, this is going to be a good comparison when we get to our next movie as well, because like but but like this movie is smart enough to recognize like film is a visual medium. So like. Even though, yes, we don't really know much about these characters. We don't necessarily have to for the story that it's trying to tell. Um, but it but it does have, like, shifting allegiances and, uh, you know, things like a little bit of backstory for characters here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, it, but overall, it, it's like, you know, it's just a, just a nobody trusts anybody and we're all very tired. <laughs> and so uh, it becomes that sort of element. Um, but, like... But what a, what a right like like I love you you pointed out the visuals I'm I'm glad you brought up the gold like visuals like I, mm. I halfway expected Tina Turner to get on the soundtrack <laughs> uh, like it reminds me of the intro to Goldeneye uh, oh yeah for sure and and uh, and well and then there's also <laughs> lest we forget we can't glaze over the fact that in one of those there's a, there's a golden shower that oh, oh yeah there is um, <laughs> I was like, is this Peter Coyote um, this is from three movies ago or three episodes ago. Um, but uh, like all those visuals and then also the sound of like the meat is also like, cause there's a butcher involved with it. So there's a lot of close up. So it's like, if you are like a vegan, especially like mm-hmm. I would probably mm-hmm. say a good trigger warning. There's a lot of close ups of like beef being cut and bullets going through beef, yeah. uh, you know, to sort of like, envision the like the bullets tearing through the flesh of like our our you know 
group of characters um so a lot of just just crazy crazy uh <laughs> imagery to, to parse through um and it's it's also it's incredibly violent too like it's it's very violent oh yeah very satisfying cinematic violence beautiful uh cinematic violence i i would say um and a a like uh i love too the sort of like with like to to go with like the back initially to like the sort of like what i meant to Sorry, I like losing my train of thought here. What I what I meant earlier lost when your I was train sort of, of thought, didn't I? Di- uh, <laughs> um, but uh, how how sometimes like the needle drops for those things like annoy me, right? Like what they're mm, like mm-hmm. super obvious when you're doing like a genre pastiche and it's very clear you're doing like so on the nose things, mm-hmm. and so that could be annoying. And so like not only the music here but also the sort of visual, like you can't pinpoint any sort of one italian genre movie that the movie's riffing on but it's just so good at setting that vibe like um it has the vibe of the more like crime movies but like the setting looks more like there's a couple giallos that reminded me of one i think you just watched for the first time recently uh don't torture a duckling well i was thinking don't torture a duckling but i was also thinking your vice is a locked room and only i oh yeah yeah um so i i i thought thought of that uh like those two as well but yeah don't torture a duckling came to my mind Almost immediately, because I know that's exclusively at like a farm house on a hilltop, like, lo- like a in hilltop. the sun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew. I I figured you would you caught that too, because it was like, yeah, I I I recognized that. I was waiting for a priest idea. to go over the edge and his face to explode <laughs> inexplicably. As oh, <laughs> uh, Lucy, Lucia Fulci, we love you. Uh, we love you so. Um, but uh, but like you, but it's not like it's not like hey. Do you remember Don't Torture a Duckling? It's just using that as its sort of, like, setting. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, these are the type of genre pastiches that I love. Like, where it's, like, it's just trying to evoke a type of movie, but it's not, like, in your face or indulging in the sort of references. Right. Um, Which I really, really appreciated. um, Because it can can get annoying in that type of way. Um, But I I thought they did this movie, this one, very smartly. Right, yeah. It's, it's... It's like if you were to do a, a, a giallo riff and then there's a, a, a ceramic puppet that comes in on a, a three wheel. And it's just like that's too on- – like you yeah. can't lift images straight from huge uh, like masterpieces of the genre because then like it's almost a spoof at that point. You may as well be making yeah. scary movie. Or the editor, which we talked or the about editor. in the previous episode. <laughs> Although I really like the editor. I like the editor, too. It's fun. <laughs> so, but this, I mean, this movie also looks the part, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I was going to look to see if it was shot on film. I'd be hard-pressed to find that it was, like, wasn't. Like, mm-hmm. it looks very filmic. If it wasn't, um, I was fooled. It looks great. It looks f- fantastic. And like you, you said, the sound design. I... I I look forward to the day I can watch this like much louder on my sound oh, yeah. system and not have like children sleeping. So, cause I, I, um, I'm looking forward to that. Cause I'm I was waiting even, for an opportunity to see it in the theater. I would love to see this on a big sound system. I regret not seeing it. And even Seattle played at the grand illusion, which like is a great little theater. I'm not knocking them, but they are a small theater, um, mm-hmm. but they got a good, they got a good system. So I regret not seeing this movie in the theater. Um, and so I don't know, maybe may, who knows, maybe they will be, uh, rep showings of it. I who knows, but uh, it would be great to see this in the theater. Um, one of the things that you you sort of touched on for a, a moment there was the uh, the time dilation. 
Oh, um, yes. Which I thought was, like, a really neat element. Like, there, there's a couple of really neat elements in the movie, but, like, um, and it's not something that I haven't seen before, but I just really liked the... Um, we get sort of a Christopher Nolan cutaway to a uh, like a title card that shows the time and instead of it being like a five minutes before or whatever, like it shows military time like twenty mm-hmm. hours and thirty seconds or and it was really neat showing like uh, following a character up into a point character gets shot and then we like cut to a title card showing the time and we jump back you know a minute or four minutes or whatever we show what a different character is doing in the same area the area that led up to them either like being the shooter or observing the shooter so then we're like jumping around time piecing together the events that happen and every time we reach like a big like holy shit what happened we'll snap back and give the viewer that context which is a uh, you're walking a tightrope because that could be incredibly annoying to jump around and like you 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 get like your interest peaked and we jump back too far and you lose interest or like that it it, or jumps around too much and it's just like i get it just push forward with the story but i thought that they like balanced it very well i was never taken out of it no me neither well i think it's it has to do like i think it's the pacing I, i think when you when you when you pace something correctly like that i think like because you're you're in the the intensity like you mentioned christopher nolan and it, mm-hmm. you know it, the movie it reminded me of most was probably it was a nolan movie is dunkirk where like ah. dunkirk because dunkirk is from the three different time perspectives and then they all sort of like collide at the end but you're not really quite aware the way that he cuts that movie but you're just like i hope they make it home okay because you're just like you're in the trenches and you're on the boat that's tipping over and you're on like mark uh mark rylance's boat like this trying to go and the civilian boat that's trying to save and you don't know until the end that they're like sort of colliding and it's sort of it took me probably two times of that happening to really like register like oh this is what the movie is doing um this is how it's sort of jumping back in time but like it didn't matter because like i was engaged wholeheartedly like Mm -hmm. i my hand was gripping my seat because it was like here's this area like like it's it's not like a warehouse which we'll get into here shortly but like it's (laughs) but it's an area but it's still a area that in which you don't have a lot of space to you have enough space to run but not enough to where you're like anybody could be like jack in the box surprise and then like get like blown away so like there's there's a tension already baked into the sequence and so right. the fact that you're you're putting a ticking clock on it is like just adds intensity there was that one sequence i forgot exactly what happened where the clock was like it was like by the seconds and like the time was showing and it was like the same time until it moved like a minute I was like, geez, <laughs> uh, it's just like super tense. Yeah, well, and the the way that tension is is balanced, and it, I think one thing that also gets lost is, is because the characters aren't that well defined. You basically just kind of learn them visually. Um, mm-hmm. The only one that really is a character is Rhino, because um, he's like the main bad guy of like he's like the most aggressive yeah. of the dudes basically um and everyone else you you more or less know their allegiances um uh, but because we aren't really getting long scenes of people having well how did you get here well my backstory is my wife is sick and that's why i'm doing this rock like we don't get any of, of that to inform our characters so it's really easy to 
lose track of who is where and who is doing what until you see them in a scene getting shot. Um, yep. So I, I think that that's more of a problem with pacing, but that it's one of those things too where the or I, not sorry, not a problem with pacing. It's a problem with story because I think the the pacing is so well done. And it being sort of an experiential film is that as long as you're experiencing it and having fun and like caught up in how tense the situation is, it doesn't really matter who these characters are. Um, yeah. That's more just something that kind of eats the, the last 20 minutes of it or so. But there is a scene. And I again, I tried to look on IMDb and figure out who the character was, but most of these people don't have photos. So I don't know who the character is. Um, but. He's like the big bald dude uh, who is naked for uh, one portion of the gunfight because he gets caught uh, having sex uh, and he runs out into the night and he doesn't get pants until later on. But he gets shot and he disappears for some portion of the movie bleeding out somewhere. And then there's a portion where the car gets set on fire and yes, just this absolutely gorgeous shot tracking shot of flames falling out of the sky like snowflakes and everything that's outside of the purview of this car that we know has the gold in the trunk is completely inky black so we don't know what else is happening in the middle of the night and he's just walking towards the car and so like it's already really tense because you know that there's dudes with guns all around this car hiding and and like willing to shoot at anything so like at any second this guy's gonna drop and the I don't want to give away the scene because people should see and experience the scene, but like that scene for me when I first watched this, I was kind of sort of like into it and having fun. And then that scene was the one that like cemented like this is this movie is something. Like the amount yeah. of, of like effort and thought and craft and beauty that went into that scene with that character floored me. Every it's a it's a cliched saying, but I feel like it's applicable here where it's like you could take just about any image in this and like frame it on your wall as like mm-hmm. an art art print. Like like there's genuinely like a lot of thought and care and detail put into the look and the craft of the movie. And and honestly, that's what's important here. And I think what's important across these three movies, because I think there's an argument, you know, not to get too far ahead. But I think there's an argument to be made that all the characters in all three of these movies are kind of non-characters or like not super like the most developed. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's sort of about the, 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 the inciting the experience and the inciting incident, um, you know, and, and this one is smart enough to just know that, you know, cinema is uh, like I said, a cinema is a visual medium. And so they wield it to their greatest advantage. And that, that is the the one thing that's most exciting about this movie is like, it's beautiful to look at. It's well-crafted. It's very sparse on dialogue. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that it doesn't need to be heavy on dialogue. Like we know the score, like right. we know the score, like we, you've, you've shown us the score and now we can sort of deduct the, what's at stake here. Um, that's so it's like, even if the characters aren't well-defined, the stakes of what they're into is well-defined. And right. that's, that's enough. I think for, for this, for sure. Um, so it's it's a special, interesting, very special movie. Like I've, I've really never seen something like like this. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you liked it um, <laughs> because, unfortunately, I made you watch a movie that I knew you weren't going to like because we watched it together the first time. And if you're anything like me, you hated it even more on the second watch. Um, 
speaking of not well-formed characters uh, and completely uh, fumbling the ball on uh, capturing the experience of what it's like to be in a gunfight, uh, maybe we should pivot on over to talk about Free Fire from 2017. Uh, I guess if we have to. <laughs> oh, I mean, well, well, we, we do. Right? To. We can just but, leave this part blank. <laughs> it's just, just just like white noise, and then 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 move on to sabotage. Um, I'll, I'll play the trailer audio, and then we'll just. And uh, next up, we're going to talk about sabotage from 2014. <laughs> Fuck the small talk. Let's buy some guns, eh? You're on a different level now. The guy who represents this merchandise. Lawn is bigger than your whole fucking country. Justine, as gorgeous as ever. Well, you've uh, put on a bit of weight. Fuck off. Check out the merch. That's not what he ordered. Fuck, really? We ordered M16s, different weapon. I'm not running a fucking pizza delivery service. Keep your shit together. You want the weapons or you don't want the weapons? Here we go. <laughs> oh, now we're cooking. We'd like to leave with our money. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that you boys would like to leave with the weapons. So this was a movie, like you said, we saw this movie together. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw it at, at, uh, at one of the bar theaters. I think we saw this at Cinnabar. Yep. Um, when you still lived here. and um, Did not drink nearly enough. I, I th- it might have been too early. I think we went to like an early showing where it's like I shouldn't drink more, <laughs> but I want to. But I have to. And this movie, this is one of those movies that, it, it like, you know, we try to acknowledge, you know, with we know making movies are hard, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like we we know that, and we so even if we are dunking on a movie, we sort of like hope that base level expectation is clear uh, when listening to our show. Um, but like this, if, if there's any joy on dunking on some things every once in a while, I, I have no joy dunking on this movie. Um, primarily because I, I am a very big fan of Ben Wheatley's first four movies, uh, which would be Down Terrace, Kill List, uh, Sightseers, and um, A Field in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a big fan of In the Earth from a couple of years ago, which we talked about, I think, on a catch-up episode. Um and so I love most of his movies. I think he's an interesting filmmaker. I think the way he blends, you know, genres together that we've seen before and mixes them, uh, especially Kill List, which I'm not going to say anything more about the movie other than just watch it. Uh, it's it's one of those movies that's best if you know nothing about it going mm-hmm. into it. Um, but for whatever reason, his movies where he got like any money to make it. Uh, like any money at all, which would be High Rise, uh, the adaptation of a J.G. Ballard novel, which is messy, at least interesting, but messy uh, mm-hmm. doesn't work. Uh, he did a remake of Rebecca, uh, which is terrible. It's on Netflix. Um, Rebecca, I, I have a lot of hitch blind spots, but it might be my favorite hitch movie of the ones I've seen is Rebecca. So I'm, I'm so I had an uphill battle, but like it's really bad. Um, he did Meg to the Trench most oh. recently, uh, which I liked of his big budget movies. I probably liked Meg to the best, um, because it was stupid and entertaining, <laughs> like stupid, dumb, fun. It, it, it was the movie I wanted the first movie to be. I w- I'll, I'll just, I'll say that. Okay. I, um, if it was 20 minutes shorter and 
was made by, on half the budget and R-rated, I would have probably loved it. But uh, but as it stands, it's perfectly entertaining. Um, but Free Fire, I was very excited for. This was definitely his biggest sort of leap in terms of budget. At the time, biggest sort of leap in terms of budget. Biggest sort of leap in terms of cast. You have a, a very huge international cast of this movie. Killian yeah. Murphy, uh, Brie Larson. and Charlotte Copley. Uh, Charlotte Copley. You have Jack Rayner, um, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, Michael Smiley. Who's, Michael Smiley, yeah. He's, he's a, a Wheatley staple. He's in most of Ben Wheatley's, at least early movies. Well, um, and Edgar Wright's, too. Yeah, and Edgar Wright. So Michael Smiley's great. So you have a great, awesome cast. You have a great, awesome setup of, like... It's an arms deal. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's a period piece in the late seventies in Massachusetts in the Boston area, mm-hmm. um, and so you have an arms deal and people are already sort of mistrusting of one another. And uh, somebody takes a gun and shoots somebody for doing something that we didn't see on screen. On screen, maybe allegedly, but you know what? Who the fuck cares? That's yeah. the the problem with Free Fire is you have this great cast. And you have a cool setup of, like, you're watching a gunfight in real time. Um, but, like, by the end of the movie, you're just like, who the fuck cares? And shut the fuck up, mm-hmm. everybody. This is, like, the antithesis of Let the Corpses Tan, where, like, there's no dialogue. In this one, it's like, there's way too much dialogue, too much. and it's all annoying. <laughs> well, and, and most of it is, and we'll get into this as well in Sabotage, but most of it feels uh, non-scripted because it's just a bunch of people shouting over each other and trying to be like, Hey, cool it, cool it, you know, uh, keep our tensions down, blah, 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 blah. And and, then like, it goes on forever where like, it should have been, Holy shit. You're that guy. Boom, boom, boom. And then shit hits the fan. But it's just like the, the, the reveal that we get. So, Oh my God. Um, (laughs) as you've said, it's an arms deal. People show up. Tensions are already kind of high. And one of the guys that we've been introduced to, and we should also say this about pretty much every character in the movie, that they're all varying degrees of some kind of shitbag. Yes. Um, it's, that's another thing that doesn't help the situation because it's like, okay, well, I like if you're not going to be like that, the corpse is tan and just let all characterization go to the wayside, then I need to care about somebody here so that there's stakes, that there's tension to carry me through it. Or at least define the characters, and and not in a way that you need to go introduce, not in a Suicide Squad way, which right. like, I know that will come. Like we don't need a backstory, but like I thought so much of like the intro to Reservoir Dogs, like while watching this, of like the the introduction at the diner, mm-hmm. and it's not like it goes into everybody's backstory, but the movies it sets the stage so perfectly for the characterization and the the traits of those characters that come into play down the line when shit hits the fan and they start mistrusting each other. So right. it's like those seeds were sown in a sequence that was talking about uh, like a virgin and tipping. Yeah. But it told you everything you needed to know without telling you like it showed you it didn't tell you. Right. And all the dialogue was like just, you know, really well articulated, well written stuff. And here it's like you said, it's all like, oh, tensions are high, cool. Everyone's saying what they mean. So there's no room to really like grow here. And so it's it's not that they're all shit bags, because like arguably in Reservoir Dogs, they're all shit bags too. Right. Sure. But I'm at least interested in what's happening in that versus this one. You're just like you all and it, and maybe it's the dapper period design which like is the one thing i like about the movie i like the oh, costumes sure. i like the facial hair but like after a while i'm like at this point like i can't tell 
Killian Murphy from like Charlotte Copley, who are two mm-hmm. very distinct actors, mind you. But like, there's a point where it's like it just gets lost in this flurry of facial hair and suits. Where I'm just like, I don't know who is who. I don't know who's why they're shooting each other. Um, there's no real spatial geography in no. this warehouse whatsoever. The, the 180 degree sucks. rule it does uh, not exist in this warehouse. It's gone. Yeah, it, it, it's just like. It's so exhausting. Like, like it, it is one of the most exhausting ninety-minute movies that I've ever seen. Which is like, a f- a fucking shame. Just because it is. on paper, this movie could be awesome. And I remember mm-hmm. being so pumped when the trailer for this came out, and I like Me read too. the synopsis, and it was just like, dude, how fucking cool! Like a tense gunfight in in a, a warehouse, and like the majority of the film is a gunfight. Yep. Fuck yeah, sweet. Like a totally on yeah. board. Same. I the trailer was awesome. Um, you know, like I had mentioned at the top, I loved Ben Wheatley's first four movies. You know, he had done High Rise just before this, but it, like but I didn't hate it. I hate I kinda hate this movie. I'll just I won't mm-hmm. mince words, I kinda really hate this movie and it bugged the shit out of Especially me. Especially now. I, Especially now, especially on second viewing. Yeah, like the first time, terrible. I was kind of just disappointed, and then the second time, I was like, "No, this movie's actually awful. It's um, ass. It's real bad." But uh, but like High Rise was like disappointing. But at mm. least I came away from like with it for something to chew on. And so when this came out, I was like, "Oh, this looks fun, energetic." Like Wheatley is in like genre mode. Uh, you know, like like Down Terrace, which is an awesome like downbeat British crime movie that I would also highly recommend to people. Basically any other movie I say that Ben Wheatley has done because I I like as much as this movie I feel bad because I like him as a filmmaker but it's like we're talking about the one movie of his that just really really bites ass it's awesome um, but like any other title I drop on this episode if you're listening listeners like watch any of those <laughs> including High Rise maybe not Rebecca hey, don't watch the remake of Rebecca that one's that one's also equally terrible. Um, but it, it's it's uh, this this is that that like o- like overwritten like it's it's mm-hmm. like overwritten to the point that of just like of annoyance. Um, well, to the like, and the movie is also ninety three minutes. It's yeah, it's like it's, just over. Yeah, no, ninety one minutes, and so that maybe informs why some of the scenes tend to go on for far too long. Um, cause maybe they were just stretching to try and get that feature length, but the, like we get introduced to the two schlubs who are, uh, uh delivering the weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. and we're not at the warehouse yet, but we uh, are introduced to this guy who basically was like, I was at a bar last night and I got my ass kicked and I look like shit. I'm like covered in bruises and we don't know what that's about. Um, and so then when later they get to the meet and people are, you know, sort of flexing and and being like oh well uh um uh, killian murphy is like oh well charlotte copley you ordered the wrong guns i wanted m16s and this is a whatever um it's a rifle and uh he tests the guns and again this scene is going on far too long of them having their back and forth about like the the guns and who wants what and yada 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 and we get a shot of the shitbag guy who uh, recognizes somebody in the other gang who's like, oh, that's the guy from the bar last night who kicked my ass. And so he, like, turns around and he, like, walks away from the group and there's, like, a back and forth of of um, 
Frank, uh, who's like an older grizzled guy who's been in the, the underground for a while, who's uh, Michael Smiley's character, who mm-hmm. goes over and he's just like, hey, you know, uh, quit dilly-dallying, get over there and get the boxes. And there's like a long back and forth and uh, several cuts and the van slowly driving in. And he finally is like, okay, like I'll go get those. And then the other guy in the gang recognizes him and he gets super aggressive. And he's like, well, last night at the bar, uh, that guy uh, was hitting on my cousin, and then when she turned him down, he glassed her in the face, which is basically took a pint glass yeah. and smashed it into her face and cut her up. And then it becomes the gangs being being like having like an ethical dilemma of being like, well, what do we do about this? Like, did you really do that? And well, okay, we got to rough him up to make you know make amends and make it right and stuff. And it's just weird that this is now in the middle of a black market arms deal that's going on that now they're being yeah. and, and uh, Breed Larson's chiming in and being like well I didn't know that he was like a sexist pig I wouldn't have been part of your gang if that would have happened and stuff and it's just like the scope is now growing and people are arguing about different things that aren't the guns and, th- and this goes on for a very 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 long time before the other guy in, in the gang uh, Jack Rayner the guy who uh, his cousin got glassed Iris uh, Seth Rogen, uh, Jack Rayner. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, low rent Jon Snow. Um, I like Jack Rayner as an actor. He's actually oh, yeah, doing I, some I like good stuff. Uh, he's, <laughs> but, he's great in uh, um, uh, Midsummer. Uh, um, Midsummer and Sing Street as well is another movie. I've I have not seen Sing Street, but I'm sure it's on the list. Um, but yeah, basically they they uh, fuck up Steve-O, played by Sam Riley, uh, and he pops off about glassing the dude's cousin and so he shoots him and then that's the inciting incident but this whole thing was like 10 15 minutes of screen time to get us to this inciting incident should have been covered in two to three yes especially if you're advertising yourself as a shootout in real time then it's like then you need to like just get into it and get 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 on with it um mm-hmm. you know like especially like comparing and contrasting to let the corpses tan there's like three lines of dialogue and exchange with like the butcher and then the credits and then the 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 heist you mentioned where they they take out the courier and then they get the goal and it's like we're off right and this one takes way too long to even get to the point um and then like we said there's no spatial geography so once everyone starts shooting and they duck and covering you're just like i don't know where i am in this warehouse e- just just a simple bird's eye shot would not have right. cleared up everything, oh but would God, have right? done so much better to at least show where everybody Who is. Where? is. Right. And, and it's just like, Jesus, there's no grasp of, of action here, which is important when you're making an action movie. Like, to actually know what is happening. And I was just, uh, I, I, I uh, you know, not to keep belaboring the point, but yeah, this was a very rough, rough rewatch for well, for sure <laughs> there's no real uh like like uh markers or, or, or like like signifiers no. as where like they drive the red van in and the red van is basically like our hub because we yeah. know that army hammer is over by the the red van for most of this gunfight but then everyone else it's just dirt floors and and concrete pillars and low walls because it's an abandoned warehouse so there's no like factory equipment or uh, like anything like overturned shelves or anything that's in the building that can tell us like, well, these people are over by the manufacturing section. These people are over by the lockers for the employee. Like all of that is gone. But not only that, we 
like when they arrive at the warehouse and Army Hammer's like, I'm going to walk you to the meeting spot. We get long tracking shots and establishing shots of them walking down big, long hallways. Yeah. Uh, we, we get like a, a, a symmetrical Wes Anderson-esque shot of them going up like a steel staircase uh, like towards this door. And so it's, it's almost alluding to these are locations we're going to come back to later as part of this gunfight. And no, we, we get like... No. Uh, like two minutes of them walking through all of these corridors and locations for them to get to the main, uh, the the main hub, like this big giant like factory floor, and save for, uh, f- I think four characters, uh, of the like nine or ten that are in the movie, um, yeah. we stay in that room, we we do not leave the big main floor. There's a couple who try and go through the vents. Like, I, I know Brie Larson does that for, like, yeah. a good stretch of the movie. But, like... Uh, Brie but Larson, yeah, Killian Murphy, um, uh, uh, Charlton Copley, and um, Noah Taylor, who was a, uh, a, a small character in Game of Thrones for a season. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. They're the four that leave the room. I'm pretty sure everyone else sticks in there. I think they do, too. Killian and Murphy never just... leaves. Army Hammer never leaves. No, him and Charles Copley just bicker the whole time, and it's just like, God, I am, I am, I want to leave. Can I leave? <laughs> uh, and also, like you know, I mentioned, uh, let the corpses tan. Great use of music. Uh, the music is also in this one very like uh, like run through the jungle by Creedence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> There's like two John Denver songs in yeah. it. There's like a whole monologue about John Denver uh, at the end of the movie, and I'm just like, I don't care. I just do not. Care. <laughs> about, uh, about any of this uh like i'd forgotten pretty much the whole movie in all honesty um from when probably we like a the self-defense theater. mechanism probably, your, your yeah. brain just blocked it i didn't remember anything about it and then watching it again i'm like oh i'm yeah now now i see why <laughs> so. well and it also doesn't help that like in a this would have helped with maybe some like John Woo choreography, like if we would have maybe gotten some action in there or something, but like pretty early on in the gunfight, a few people catch strays. That was one thing that that kind of pissed me off. So there, there's uh, people catch a few bullets, a few characters, pretty much everybody in the cast at one point gets shot in the leg, and then for mm-hmm. the remainder of the movie, everybody is laying down and dragging their prone, useless bodies around the set. Um, right. So there's not a lot of run and gun, uh, not a lot of stuff that picks up the pace. Like everybody is wounded and dragging their bloody bodies around. But there's a character who, uh, you, other than you know everyone else that's, that's involved in the situation here, um, I, I think it's uh, uh, Mark uh, Mark Monero who plays Jimmy. Uh, he's a partner of Charlton Copley, and he he seems to be like the most uh, level headed. Uh, oh yeah, yeah down yeah. to business guy who's trying to sort of keep the peace and early on in the fight he gets shot but he gets shot in the head yes he and does. then uh brie larson runs over to him and he's like he, he's still breathing blah, blah, blah. but he's more or less brain dead until later on he comes up uh he gets back up and it's kind of like played for yucks that he's walking around with his brain exposed and going through the motions of trying to get to the money in the case and blah, blah, blah. And something that could have, I mean, 
wouldn't have saved the movie uh, necessarily, but like mm-hmm. an easy way to add stakes to the movie because there are none is he gets a gut shot. Make yeah. him a likable character. He gets a gut shot, and there's an understanding amongst everybody in the room. If we don't get him to a hospital in an hour, he's going to die. Oh, you mean like that movie Reservoir Dogs? Oh, maybe like well, that movie were... Reservoir Dogs. I don't <laughs> Just leave me outside. It's I'm fucking, fucking dying you. <laughs> I'm fucking dying, man. No, I, I mean, I was while I was watching this, I was like, yeah, that's just ripped straight out of Reservoir Dogs. But at this point, I'll fucking take it yeah, because it, I don't it, care about anything that's happening. No, it would be something. It would be something. And this movie is is nothing, less than nothing, really. Like, it's you said played for yucks. That's also the problem is this movie thinks it's super cool and funny. And it mm-hmm. really isn't <laughs> super cool and funny. Or funny. I don't. I didn't laugh at a single goddamn thing in this movie. I didn't either. No, I did not laugh at all. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked. Like, I, I, I mean, I guess I'm not like, it's not like this movie is amazingly beloved, but like it, it overall the marks are positive sway towards the positive and i'm really? just like all right it's it's got like wow, a 6.3 on, on fucking imdb 70 percent on rotten tomatoes oh. uh, so i'm just like i guess guess you know it keep it i keep it is yeah, what i would so say we're alienating it. some portion of the audience most likely um so i mean like i said i'm saying it here as someone who's been a, a big fan of this guy's career and i think this movie sucks so it's just <laughs> like uh, i don't i don't know what else to <laughs> i don't know how else i could drive that point home <laughs> like so yeah watch uh, watch Did down terrace else? kill list sightseers uh sightseers is sightseers is is trying to be funny and is 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 actually funny oh okay um so sightseers what a is concept amazing. It also co-stars uh, Alice Lowe, uh, a.k.a. Madeline Wool, a.k.a. Liz from uh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Oh, hell yeah. So, okay. Um, highly just recommend leave. that one. Just <laughs> Funny, the cat just told me to leave. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Field in England, also kind of acid trippy, might go well with a movie like Let the Corpses Tan. Uh, kind of yeah. like okay. a... a, a uh, like a like an olden, I'm trying to think what the time period set in, but it's like the it's like 1500s, 1600s, I want to say, and a bunch of soldiers uh, get on mushrooms and uh, go on a trip. So all right, so it's like there's Ben Wheatley's done some good movies, and like yeah, if you're if you're vibing and you want something super dumb, Meg to the Trench will also deliver. You know, you get Jason Statham on a jet ski uh, with a uh, you know trying to to <laughs> stab a shark like. What more do you want? Yeah, what's the problem? Yeah, this yeah, sounds great. It sounds amazing. Uh, even though he was just nominated for a Razzie uh, for it. Um, but, oh. who, but who cares? Because the Razzies are trash. Razzies are worse than anything in Free Fire because they're terrible. Ter- he stopping. should go accept it in person uh, like uh, Sandra Bullock did because she's a badass. She should. And also, like, Statham... Uh, yeah, I don't want to doglight this into a Statham discussion. Oh even no! Though Stath- even though Statham is in the movie of the director of our next movie uh, that's currently out in the theaters, as we discussed last week. Oh yeah. Um, but like, they went hard on. Uh, I think the movie that got the most Razzie noms this year was Expendables Four, which also has Statham in it. But that one was deserved because that movie is truly, <laughs> truly heinous. <laughs> I watched yes. it one night because I couldn't help myself. It's. Oh. Uh, I hate I hate that about myself that I'm like I'm gonna watch I'm gonna watch that and then I watched that and I'm like yep that was, it was trash it was trash <laughs> and I watched it um, so but anyway 
uh, since we're do you have any other thoughts on Free Fire? Because we're starting to spiral out. Because there's no, nothing. <laughs> no. It, it, it's a hard movie to talk about just because of how brain dead it is, and there's only so many ways that you can voice the opinion that it was so, so disappointing. Yeah, agreed. Oh, and also, it's it's it too is an experiential movie as well. The way that like Let the Corpses Tans in, which is again such a good duality of like, here's a movie that uses the cinematic language to its ability. And then here's a movie mm-hmm. that doesn't seemingly use it at all by somebody who knows how to use it. So it's right. We've very, seen that they can use, it. they can use it. So it's, it's just super baffling. So, uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, uh, you know, speaking of baffling, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll we, let you intro this one. Actually. Oh God. Uh, well, let's, uh, yeah, this is my fault. Um, <laughs> So, uh, Hi, it's me. This, I'm the problem. I'm <laughs> the problem. It's me. Uh, so I guess uh, yeah, it's my, my cross to bear to introduce uh, Sabotage from 2014. Who the fuck dropped ass? That was me. <laughs> I think that's risky, wasn't it? Hey, shut the fuck up. Concentrate. I got movement. Second story front window. I'm taking the shot. Good job. Go, go, go! Whoa, whoa! Calm it, Cover your sides. Door. Shoot the fucker! Clean up, aisle three. I gotta ask you a few questions. Ten million dollars is missing from your cartel bust. Did you steal it? No. And fuck you for asking. Two murders of DEA agents have happened on my watch. The cartel thinks you've stolen money. Yeah, so you had picked, you had uh, formulated this episode around "Let the Corpses Tan," as you mm-hmm. talked about at the top of the episode, and you had picked "Free Fire" as the bad, which we def- we agreed on. We knew we'd both yeah. seen it, um, and then you were looking for a what of this sort of what's a movie in which a heist or equivalent happens and people start to distrust each other, and we had just watched Suicide Squad. Um, and you know, which you can go back and listen to our episode on that. Um, but like that movie's terrible, even worse than free fire. Um, it's just, just, just the worst trash. And, um, but because of that, it was in my head of like, you know, I haven't seen sabotage in a long time, but I remember like it, it was in my brain. Like I remembered things about it. Um, and I was like, it's kind of nuts. It sometimes. So I'm like, this might be a good, what, um, I think we might split down the middle on that one. Um, I, you already, you're like, you know, you said it's good, bad, less bad. Um, yeah, I would consider, I like this movie, I think a little bit more than you, but, um, maybe I'll just, uh, say the plot synopsis that you have written out here. Sure. An elite DEA strike force decide to skim 10 million off the top of a cartel drug bust. Soon after members of the team are brutally murdered, attracting the attention of federal investigators. Um, yes, well, first, their money, they go back for the money, and the money's not there yes. after the bust. Um, and so this is like an elite task force. It's led by Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, 
who I like in this movie. I like Arnie in this movie. There's some yeah. classic Arnie-isms uh, in it, um, especially like with his boss uh, uh, played by Martin Donovan, who's always nice. Mm-hmm. He's always that role. He's just like he's like uh, Crocker Fenway and uh, Inherent Vice, and yeah. he's the guy in Tenet explaining the well, you get a jester and a word Tenet. Um, so he's always that guy. But Arnie's got some good quips with him. But he's got. Um, He's got a ragtag group of DEA agents, um, which I, I don't want to steal your thunder because you you're the way you described them might be one of the funniest things that I've ever heard. So um, maybe I will flip it to you to not only describe this DEA, DEA uh, group, but maybe explain what you thought of sabotage. Well, I did say that the movie feels like it was produced by a tap out T-shirt. Um <laughs> And I, I yes. stand by it. Like it, it's so, it's so overly aggressive to the point of parody. To to the point of of like, and it's dead serious. Like, and I was waiting for the movie to kind of like, at one point, shift and show vulnerability, or or um, I was expecting it to do like an aliens thing where we get our space marines introduced. They're all hot headed, red blooded, ready to go. Um, especially when. Um, 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 uh, Mariel uh, Enos. Yeah, uh, I expected her to be uh, like because she's like hypersexualized, super horny, uh, talking to the dudes, and I, I was expecting that to like, like, oh, okay, these characters are all going to be uh, toxic masculinity, um, like condensed and distilled into these forms, and then we're gonna get like a predator turn. We're gonna get a point where they're flipped around, and now they they're shaking in their boots and they're humanized a little bit. Fucking nope. Uh, <laughs> these people are ride or die until the end, chugging monsters, uh, watching <laughs> UFC, uh, like, just the worst uh, dregs <laughs> of people, and. I thought of Predator a lot, too, like, because yeah. I was kind of hoping the same, because it's got a similar setup of, like, you know, I, I appreciate this. I, I, I had written that this is basically the good version of David Ayer's Suicide Squad. For better or worse, this is the better iteration Comparatively. of that style. <laughs> and starting with the fact that the movie doesn't take the time to introduce every single fucking character with a needle drop. Yeah. It just drops us into this D, this bust that's happening. Mm-hmm. And much like the scene in Predator where they're in the helicopter and everyone's like, you know, who I think who dropped ass is the phrase that they, they say in this this one. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like hoorah, like, you know, but I like you said, I was hoping for that Predator turn. And there's a little bit towards the end, just like, but like it comes way too late. Yeah. But like you, you see people starting to like flip, starting people to be like, oh yeah, we were we were part of this bus. Oh, like, like in the third act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because essentially, this this they skim this ten million off this bust, and then they go back, and the money's not there, and so, but the money, of course, is not accounted for when uh when the feds come in to do it and so they're all under investigation for it they've already been assumed that they did it um which we know they did but they have nothing to show for it because uh, somebody took it um and they don't know who right and so they essentially like and then the movie skips eight months later it skips the whole like uh, like there, there's some footage of them being investigated, and like one team member quits. And, well, we should also uh, mention that the movie starts with uh, like video cassette oh, footage of a woman being tortured. 
yes. and tortured and ultimately murdered. Yeah, that's true. It starts with that with no context. And we're just whatsoever. like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> tone yeah. setter. Uh, which we do find out that that was Arnie's uh, wife and, and kid who were taken by like a top cartel person and, and uh, tortured and uh, killed. Which um, this movie also made me think of uh, the Rambo movie that we talked about. Oh, like, Last just Blood? Rambo? With Last Blood. Oh. It reminded me a lot of Last Blood in this the, one's like, better the than that. xenophobia of like anyone south of the border are all dangerous cartel members, sort of. Yeah, I mean, this is a better movie. Is hand but in yes. hand with the tap out uh, t-shirt. And vibe, hand in hand so. with David Ayer's filmography. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it's like, yeah, he's, he's like I said, he's he's a competent action director. And I mentioned this su- during Suicide Squad, but it's like there's just something about his movies that are very dubious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something I find weirdly fascinating, even though they're repugnant a lot of the time, except for things like Fury, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um and of course he wrote training day which like he didn't direct it but he wrote it and, and so which is funny because antoine fuqua hasn't done a great like filmography after training day whatever alchemy they all get them back together they should they should all do a movie together i mean fuqua's done like five movies with denzel i think it was I mean, uh, oh three of them were equalizer movies but you know um, so three bangers. So three total saying. bangers, and then the remake of the Magnificent Seven, I think, was the other one. Um, mm, so yeah. yeah, just nothing but nothing but nothing but <laughs> <laughs> oops, oops, all bangers by Antoine Fuqua. Um, but uh, so what? What I found fascinating and maybe what e about this movie is like, you know, again, if we're talking about cinematic language, if that's our our theme, like, mm. uh, you know. Um, let the corpses stand is a very artsy fartsy uh, approach to the kind of movie, but it's done so really well, really well done in that way. Free fire attempts this like claustrophobic shootout and bungles it entirely. Um, sabotage is kind of like a Canon films transplant. It is so comically violent and yes. over the top and brutal like yeah. in some aspects it's really fucking brutal well and, and there's like shades of seven in it in in yes the, the kills are like torturous and and bloody and they, they we, we see a lot of crime scenes and then we see a lot of like the uh reenactment of what led to the crime scene that our characters are now discovering yes and i was gonna say that that is my biggest issue with the movie i think even more so than the sort of like tap out and monster energy sweat that's coming off the movie which like <laughs> I don't know. I like I, I I sort of like it was annoying, but then it sort of was like, well, this I guess this is the world we're in. And so I whatever. I just sort of came to accept it. Sure. But I think my frustration I found with the movie. So it's got the setup of the binding thread of this episode where like they do. The team does start to mistrust each other. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you yeah. Know, like, I mean, how could you not be, you know, be suspect of people named Monster and Sugar and Grinder uh, and Neck? <laughs> And blaze, laser, blaze, and blazer, <laughs> and so it's just like, oh my god! And some of the the characters too are like non, which is a shame because you see like good actors in them. Like Terrence Howard is Terrence it's Howard. such a it's such a thankless role for him, and it's like I love Terrence Howard, but he's got like nothing to work with in this movie. Um, it's ridiculous, but. So they do eventually start to, like, mistrust and turn on each other. But that needed to be sort of the binding thread. You mentioned Seven, and and that was a good entry point to to 
for what I wanted to say of my gripe about the movie is that it is like a procedural in like the whole second act of the movie. And I feel like it's completely perfunctory. Like, oh, yeah. it, like, like the movie almost forgets that it needs to like reconcile with this sort of mistrust and it doesn't happen until like the last 30 minutes of the movie. And we spend so much time with uh, our detectives who are played by Olivia Williams and uh, Harold Perrineau. And so it's like, I like both them as actors. It's like nice to see them. They're also not rampant douchebags like the rest of the cast right. in the movie. But also, but I was like, I don't really care about this arc, you know? Like, I don't right. really care. And especially by the end of the movie where it's like, where the movie ultimately goes, it's like, again, completely perfunctory. Other than like, to set up maybe like why Arnold dips from scenes time to time and why... Uh, he's under the microscope, like, but it's so it's so convoluted and confusing. Like, what? Like, it's stupid. It's stupid. It's, it's really stupid because it's just like you could have just had them. The movie should have been because so like eight months pass, mm. right? And I know we're jumping around, but so right. is the movie. So so is fine. the movie. So eight months have passed, and now um, Arnie gets the crew back essentially. So like everyone's. In their little like uh, warehouse with like the foosball table and and cracking dick jokes and mm. uh, oh Martin Donovan's de- not Martin Donovan I forgot who the the actor is but uh, oh it's Max Martini uh, as a character actor it's like oh my tattoo does my tattoo look like a dick oh uh, totally looks like a dick does that yeah. tattoo look a dick totally looks like a dick like yeah. this is the yeah. dialogue in this yep. movie uh, <laughs> and so um. I feel like once Arnie gets there, gang gets back together, everyone's not working well together. Like, everyone's, like, they're going through, like, the training procedurals of, like, you know, oh, they're oh, raiding yeah. the house. And, like, oh, you forgot there was that person behind the door, sort of, like, and they were right, just, they're yeah. just not clicking the way that they were. So, that is your setup. That is your setup where it's, like, something is not right. And then they go, they should go on a bus and somebody should get bust. Somebody should have got winged. And then that should have been like set into like a air, like they're back here. And then they start distrusting one another in their small little like hideout in like a, right. maybe like a green room. The group situation. dynamics are falling apart. The group yeah. dynamics are falling apart. And it's like that there was your movie. There was a more interesting movie, even with the monster flop sweat uh, coming off <laughs> the movie. That that was still the more interesting movie than cutting to this sort of like procedural element with two like npcs played by like actors we like uh guiding us through the situation um well i mean (laughs) i don't even completely fault the fact that there is the investigation because the investigation makes sense they did steal money and they they know that they stole money the 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 ultimate that part makes sense oh sorry i don't want to cut you off i want to hear your thought i was just saying that that investigation makes sense i'm talking about the detectives played by olivia Williams and Harold right. Perrineau. That's that's the part where I'm like, this is totally perfunctory. Like them right. being under investigation for stealing. Yeah, absolutely. That needs to that need that's a big driving force th- for the story. But the uh, but like but making it a procedural element of people getting off one by one instead of like a group dynamic breaking down was the wrong path. I feel. oh yeah, yeah. Well, but the the problem the the, the ultimate problem is that Arnold Schwarzenegger has to be the good guy throughout the whole story. Yes. The way that the script is laid out. So in order for Arnold to be the good guy, even though he's not, like he's 
a bad dude throughout the whole movie, but like he he keeps like dipping his toe in and out. But the way that they kind of try and gloss over that is by introducing the procedural element and by giving characterization to Olivia Williams um, and then introducing a romantic storyline between Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, and Olivia Williams yes. that had no reason to be in the movie except to try and paint Arnold Schwarzenegger as a good guy. And if they would have completely left that out of the movie, it could, like, if the whole thing is there's a mole inside of our team that is quite possibly killing off other members of the team, or it could be the drug cartel, or we could be found out by this investigative agency that is looking into us stealing money, and we know we stole money, so we need to take this close-knit group and pull in even closer and don't let any leaks out or we're all going to go to jail like talk about a fucking bottle that you're just shaking up and just waiting for it to pop there's pressure from all different sides and the introduction of this romantic element released all pressure out of the movie all tension was gone it did yeah because it 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 it, because it's (laughs) There's no payoff. That's the, that's the other thing. There's no payoff to any of it. There's there's a it means really, nothing. There's a bloody climax, which like sure I'll take it. Yeah, like, it rocks. It's, for it's sure. really fucking bloody. <laughs> Get fucking decapitated. It's, it's cartoonish. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, that's why I said it's a can, it's it's the it's a uh, descendant of canon films. Oh yeah. I feel like um, that's the thing. If this was shot in like 1986 and had just some film grain on it. Uh, and and like, I, it's a canon movie, I think. And oh, so yeah. like, that's the only way I can enjoy the movie because like it, it is the romantic subplot drains attention as you said. It's incredibly unsatisfying, and and it takes away also from like the sort of pain, like the the sort of nihilism that actually could have made the movie work, which should have been that mm-hmm. because these characters are incredibly nihilistic, and so. I'm gonna say spoilers. Um, I think we've kind of set our piece of how we feel about the movie. Sure. Um, so this is, but this is the only one I feel warrants spoiling because it is such a limp, wet fart, and it didn't have to be. No, like that's the problem. Because um, eventually everyone just start turning on each other, and it, we find out that uh, Mariel Enos, Lizzie, is the one who's been killing people. Uh, Which surprise, surprise, she was actively drinking liquid methamphetamine at a crime scene earlier. Yeah. And I was like, I wonder which one of these members of our team is maybe off kilter and unhinged and willing to kill members of the team. Maybe it's the one openly doing methamphetamine. <laughs> yes. Like I said, the better version of Suicide Squad. She's the Harley Quinn of yeah, this yeah. Uh, team, that's for sure. Um, but... So she's the one who's been killing people off, and it, it gets into like a really bloody shootout at the end of the movie. Um, yeah. And it's it's because uh, she's awesome. in love with because uh, she's married to uh, Sam Worthington, uh, which we didn't is, even mention. Sam Worthington, <laughs> Hollywood's golden boy for about eight months. Uh, still, I mean, don't get he was in the second Avatar and it made a lot of money. So I, I, I think like contractually like had to be in the second avatar i guess and Cameron the third could have recast him but he could have but he didn't and he does fine uh i have nothing against sam Wor- but like you're right he sam worthington there was an over oh, nothing against for- him it's just really weird that he like blew up for a hot moment and then just kind of crashed back down yeah. to earth yeah absolutely we'll see what happens now but i think he also just he needed a break too which makes sense because 
that seems to happen of like somebody hits it big and then they they try to shove it down shove that person down your throat and you're like I'm I'm I'm, yeah. I need a break. From, I need a break. They need a break too right. <laughs> from this person. But she's she's married to Sam Worthington. They're a couple. Uh, Sam Worthington is monster. Uh, <laughs> um, TM. TM. Uh, he's he's uh, he's the only one with a. Like, and that's the thing. Like they don't delve enough into it because he's the only one with a kind of a conscious. Because he's the yeah. one who kind of he's the one who keeps coming up to Arnold Schwarzenegger and being like the team dynamic is just he's not working and like you know i'm just not like i i can't i don't have it i'm i'm not as is trusting like i don't think i can go through with doing this he's got at least a crisis of conscience mm-hmm. um but lizzie doesn't she's a total psychopath and she's meth apparently addict. yeah meth addict she's apparently <laughs> in love with sugar who's played by terrence howard in the movie mm-hmm. so they were the ones pretty much killing everybody and going to like think they were going to make out with the money they basically were going to try and kill everybody until they found out who took who the took money yeah. and then take the money and then go out and then it ends in a bloody shootout that involves the car ramming the back of a flatbed Dude. truck completely braining terrence howard and then a very bloodied uh lizzie coming out of the back of the car <laughs> oh dude the whole thing is fucking ridiculous though because terrence howard is driving the car and then he will just like move an mp5 out of the window and just shoot a submachine gun one-handed backwards with his yes. wrist at a 90 degree angle like that's not going to just shatter your bones and then lizzie is in the back of of a sedan with the trunk open just shooting a machine gun and Terrence Howard is like handbraking around corners doing 360 <laughs> degree spins and and like she doesn't leave the doesn't get thrown from the car which is ridiculous no. but at the same time um uh, Olivia Williams is driving a truck and Arnold Schwarzenegger is just wide stancing in an open truck bed shooting a machine gun over the top of the truck and the truck is doing the same exact maneuvers so these people got like gravity boots on like from face off where they're like not moving from like they're completely cemented to the floor and that was I was cackling laughing at them flipping through intersections and crashing into walls and shit and then we just cut to Arnold Schwarzenegger standing stoically still shooting a machine gun like bullshit dude what are you talking about <laughs> it's nuts though like it's it's, oh, it's, it's great it's, 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 I love it's, it. it's it's the best sequence in the movie it's a, by it's, far it's stupid but it's amazing um but uh, after the after Terrence Howard's very grisly death and Lizzie's yeah. about to be death, um, uh, a Breacher, who's Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, I don't think we we just refer to him as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Breacher yeah, he's just, he's is just Arnold, Schwarzenegger. Just Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not a character. It's um, comes clean that he was the one who took the money, hmm? um, and then shoots Lizzie and then leaves. And Olivia Williams basically, what the oh, fuck? He Batman's him. Yeah, he Batman's him. He leaves completely. And completely pieces out of that storyline. There is no more resolve for Olivia Williams' storyline. Nope. The uh, romantic plot just gone. Yeah, nah, nah. He was just we, using her for sex and and to to keep the heat off of him. And be a great driver, I guess. Sure, for sure. And but uh, he goes to Mexico and he bribes somebody working with the cartel uh, that that killed the person who killed his wife and and kid. Um, and then gets in a tussle and uh, gets wounded, but kills his man. And uh, oh, gets in a tussle th- is a word for it, dude. There's yeah, a, a, a crazy he's... awesome canon films shootout in a Mexican bar of him like walking like the Terminator and just one handed firing a pistol and taking dudes out <laughs> while they're like machine gunning and stuff. Like at that, yeah, the that's final true. thirty minutes of this movie is the movie that I wanted the entire thing to be. It's it, it's what and that's. 
the problem. I mean, yes, because yes, it's amazing. The final 30 minutes of this movie is, well, maybe not amazing. I shouldn't go to the top <laughs> shelf with my words. It's, but it is awesome. Like it is cool. Um, oh sure. And you're right. I shouldn't under a tussle. I shouldn't undersell. It is a bloody. It's yeah. It's more than just like a fist fight. Like he's like capping a bunch. Yeah. Of people, and just shoots a bunch of civilians too. There's just like the women. He's just like yeah, blasting that the happen to be in his way. But he gets he gets his man, and then he like you know he lights up a, that Arnold cigar slowly, mm-hmm. waiting to die. Like he knew that was the end game the whole time. Which is like oh, yeah. fine. Like I, I like the sort of like fatalistic like westerns like that. Oh sure. But then but but the whole thing needed to be like that. It's just like the movie overcomplicates itself when it's like you had the perfect setup, you had the perfect setup, you had the sort of like emotion like some of the emotional through lines there with Arnold's character, with Sam Worthington's character. Um, you know, to have this you needed to have this sort of like this was always the goal like that. Mm-hmm. It needs to be a gut punch for everybody left. And you don't feel that it's a gut punch for those characters who are barely surviving at the end. Like it, 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 they're playing it like it's a gut punch to Lizzie, but it, it doesn't no. work that way. Um, and that's that's what's frustrating about the movie. A movie that I feel like the, the way this movie ends, a movie I thought of a lot and it's much, much better in that like fatalistic way is hell or high water. It was a movie oh, I thought of a yeah. lot while watching this movie. <laughs> um, and, and I was like, God, if this was more like that element and like you could eat. And, and if you did, you could have Olivia Williams and Harold Perrineau being the people on their tracks. Right. As things are happening. Like they, they could be in the movie, but they shouldn't have any inter- interaction with this. They should just be seeing the, the, uh, the, like the, the aftermath, the grisly crime scenes, right? Um, and piecing and it then, together and, and exactly. formulating a case against the characters, exactly. While meanwhile, the the they're like the, the Tom Berenger and Platoon. If we break down, the machine breaks down. Like right, it, yeah, it needs to be that sort of like inner turmoil as the group gets closer and closer. But you know, someone in the group is the rat. So exactly, tensions build. And and they just they just go in the wrong direction. Completely for wrong. So directions. much of the movie, it's like the whole second act of this movie is a mess. Whereas like the first, the opening, and the closing is the movie it should be. Because right. that that opening fucking shootout is great too. Oh like, yeah, as well. Like uh, uh like uh, that's that's super well done and gnarly as shit. Like. Um, and violent, then the, and, the, and, and violent, and lots of squibs, lots of actual practical effects in the yes. shootout too. Yeah, there's a lot of good, like, again, canon film. There's, 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 at its best, there's some really strong canon film vibes. At its worst, it's sort of like a, a really lame procedural movie with some. Like an episode of NCIS deaths. where you're just like, yeah. pick a lane. Yeah. <laughs> canon lane. or daytime TV. Which, which one are we doing here? I, I want the canon. I prefer the canon. <laughs> well, and I think ultimately the, the movie sort of like. Shoots itself in the foot with Arnold Schwarzenegger's character because it tries to do... I don't know if bait and switch is the right term, but it it, it, it tries to do some sort of twist ending with the whole wife plot line. Because we, we see, of course, he's watching the footage of his wife being tortured and murdered. And then we get 
a bit of the backstory of of uh, this was like a cartel. They uh, had uh, successfully done a bust, and then they found out that he had captured a guy who was like a, a big top guy in the, the Mexican cartel. They had that guy get assassinated, and then they kidnapped his wife and his son, and... Um, brutally tortured and murdered them on camera, sent him the footage, and then sent him pieces of his family in the mail over the course of several weeks. Which, which, again, holy shit. Like, fucking bleak, nihilistic, terrible, horrifying. And not handled with the gravitas that it deserved in order for that to, like, really come across. Um, But they, we get... Uh, a bit of backstory that he went down south into Mexico and he did some like really dark, terrible shit trying to find the guy who was responsible, was not able to find him and his team went down after him, found him and kind of convinced him to give it up and come back home. And so that should have been played for more like a, a, of an emotional beat to give like some... Uh, attachment to his team for them sort of like saving his soul or at least attempting to save his soul. Like none of this really feels like it has an impact. And I think it's because there is the love story element with uh, Olivia Williams going on that like it kind of undercuts some of these uh, moments here that there could have been like an emotional punch and really given him some real characterization. Um, But then ultimately, and it's because we are in spoilers, we find out that he stole the money because he was going to use the money for this bribe. And so that ultimately he had always been planning to screw his team over out of this bust to get that money to go back. Like he had never given up the the, the, he'd never given up this dogged chase for the guy who was responsible for finding his wife. Yeah. And this it's almost played like a like surprise uh, for his character but like one there, there was never the depth of character for us to be surprised by that yeah. uh, and well I guess no that's the only point I had there's no two to it one no, no, there isn't <laughs> it fucked no, it up. It, it, it's and it's also really easy to see from a mile away oh too. sure yeah. like there's there's no real mystery to it whatsoever you're just like well yeah he he did it or else they um, wouldn't have brought it up right like yeah, absolutely why yeah why else would they have brought that up um, and, and because we know they're not doing the storyline that we so like pitched in this episode that it should have been, we have a hunch that it's like, oh, well, Arnold did it like, and, yeah. and he's just like hoping everybody sort of takes the fall for it or kills themselves, uh, over it. Um, and so like, yeah, I mean, again, there's something here that could work because like if Arnold was like Arnold was always trying to do that but then he didn't expect that somebody his crew would start killing other members of his crew like that's a conflict that's something that could be interesting um but they just don't go the most interesting route yeah give him a crisis of conscience uh, of understanding like somebody in our crew is killing somebody and then like reveal earlier that he took the money like like like, you now understand the weight of your decision like yes obviously that what what had just happened with you and your family is a horrible thing that nobody should wish upon anybody to have happen but you are now you've now made a decision and the weight of that decision are affecting you're like you're basically your extended family right your second family you, yeah that you've cared about and so um but none like, of that's no, in the movie none of that's in the movie again <laughs> we're, we're placing things that aren't there <laughs> so it's i don't know that's i felt it would work as a what for this because <laughs> runner, it, up <laughs> runner up bad runner up bad 
it's less bad than Free Fire. It is less bad than Free Fire, and that that's more of a testament to how bad Free Fire. <laughs> See, well, I mean, I, you could also just if you've made it this far in the discussion, this is a more interesting movie to talk about, even oh, in its sure. shortcomings, than Free Fire. Free Fire is just a nothing burger, which well, I hate that yeah. critique, but it just it is what it is. Right. It, it, it's 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 moot. It, it's completely just milk toast whereas sabotage there are points there where you're like ah, like tweak this adjust that give a bit more here take a bit more out of that and and it, it's it's kind of funny because it's kind of mirroring our talk of what we were doing with let the corpses tan of like i really like this movie but here's a bit here they could have changed here's like here's a, a small minor gripe but for the most part i really liked it and this one is like Oh, like there's something there that could have been really good, but like you came out the other end of that spectrum, which I, yeah. you know, it, it's, uh, I won't say diametrically opposed. I would say that it's pretty different from the other two picks of this episode, just in, in tone and in structure. However, I, it, it does fulfill, uh, sort of the conceit of the episode of it being, uh, criminals turning against each other. Um, uh, and and uh, it's disappointing in a different way because yeah I I like a lot of the people that are in the movie yeah um, it's a good cast like we it said. could have been great and there yeah. are flashes of brilliance especially in the last thirty minutes oh yeah absolutely <laughs> there's there's something here and and it, and it just doesn't deliver on the promise but um you know but it was at least I enjoyed talking about this movie I probably had the most fun talking about this oh movie. yeah yeah for sure. <laughs> So, um, but yeah, and and now now I want a monster. Um, I can't. Oh no! I don't know, I don't know why. I just just uh, now now have a hankering for monster energy. I get, I've been thinking about growing my goatee out. I, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah. Are you are you gonna braid it? Because that's the only way. Well, you I mean, yeah. Movie. What else do you oh, do oh, with a goatee? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, uh, pick some fights at a uh, local uh, little league game. I don't even have any kits. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> With a, with a good buzz, good strong buzz going. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, that's Sabotage. Uh, <laughs> a movie that I don't think anyone's given a second thought of since 2014. But no. uh, but we have. We gave it but a... But we did. We, gave we see you, Sabotage. <laughs> Fury came out the same year, which is wild. Woo, like, Sabotage wow. came out like April. Fury was like a fall... Uh, uh, release, um, huh? So, uh, yeah, and then I think, and then Suicide Squad, Bright, and then like uh, nothing. <laughs> Which I mean, because he made Suicide Squad and Bright, uh, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> so. diminishing returns, indeed. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, do you have any other thoughts on these movies before we uh, wrap this episode up? Uh I'm I'm glad that we were able to talk about Let the Corpses Tan. Uh, I I I like this genre of of movie and i you know may i have really poor memory uh and also not a lot of uh, film literacy which is uh, ironic for the fact that i have a, a film podcast but the i lo- i really love this conceit uh of of just a a, a pressure cooker of criminals uh, of people that have like sheedy morals, uh, yep. and it, 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 they're they're tested and they immediately pop because they don't have any reason to stay loyal to anybody. I I love this sort of a story, so I'm I'm 
I, I won't even say hoping. I'm very confident we will have another episode like this in the future that uses the same conceit. But then also, oh, sure. if you have any favorites uh, of this genre that fall within it, please email us at thegoodbadwhat uh, at gmail.com. Um, I want your suggestions because I want to see more movies like this. And, and admittedly, it's a blind spot because outside of like Reservoir Dogs and the movies we talked about today, I can't really think of too many more. Yeah, I, I I had a hard time as well, which is how we landed on sabotage. Right, exactly. So, um, so I same like yeah, please shoot us an email, please DM us on Instagram, whatever, however your method is. Uh, we'd we'd love to hear from you because um, I think there's even on Spotify you could leave comments on an episode. I think that's a new feature. Oh, um, sure. So please do. We would love to hear it because I same. I love this genre of movies. I I enjoyed. I'm glad you put this together. This was a really fun episode. Like, well, good. I know we sounded miserable during Free Fire, but you know it, it's. But it's you got to get through the bad. That's you got to get through the, the bad exactly. And so um, you know. But, but I, I had a good time talking about both Let the Corpses Tan and Sabotage. So, um, and yeah, like I said, I, I was I was being cheeky, but I was genuinely serious. Of like, we're not going to do a David Ayer movie for quite some time. Cause that's, uh, I've had enough fill of, of like, uh, like tap out, dude bro, monster energy, hot topic in the case of Suicide Squad. Like, right, yeah. uh, like vibes to, to last me for the next four five years maybe more uh so let's never never bring david that's too for, forever so um but yeah i think ne- next week we're gonna swing in a vastly different direction uh i, I think uh kind of we're, we're gonna yeah. stay kind of in crime but a, a, a bit of a different flavor pretty and pretty different and, and a, pretty different and a very like specific but like we've said we're just gonna get more and more niche uh, with with these categories, and I had an even nicher one that I presented to you today. That you're like, that's just chaos. And Let's no. <laughs> it's, oh, it's coming. It's just not coming this oh, it's, week. Yeah. Oh, it's it's there. It's looming like uh, like a like a dark cloud uh, uh, over us. But uh, we're gonna be talking about like hard boiled noirs that involve like past and present of like potential like past lives. Like maybe not necessarily the, time travel. No, not time travel, not the the ceiling song movie past lives that's out currently. Like a deja vu. Uh, like a deja thing. vu thing. Yeah. Like they they're, they're movies that sometimes they use like detective novels as it. Uh, but these structures of like there's a deja vu and a story within a story that are sort of gumshoe is relating to whether it's the story or to like like they do they're just like I this feels familiar. Um, I hope I'm doing an okay job the, describing that. The most that. niche category that we've had on the show so far. Is, do you think so? Is it the most niche? I, I think that's the <laughs> longest explanation we've ever had to give for what like our tease is for the next episode. I Yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, and like when you watch the three movies, both you, Chris, and our listeners, like they do make sense together, but... But I can't think of any other movie besides these three movies. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, it. That, that's um, what this this podcast is built for. 
Oh, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad you're excited because uh, I'm excited as well. Um, oh, yeah. It's going to be a good time. But in the meantime, you can find and subscribe to us into Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many others. You can follow us on Instagram at thegoodbadwhat, or you can email us at thegoodthebadthewhat at gmail.com. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos, and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio and SoundCloud link you can find the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Letterboxd at C underscore T-H-O-M. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. You can follow me on Threads at Riley90. It's R-Y-O-L-L-I-E 90. Or on Blue Sky Social at Riley No 90. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with detective stories blurring the past and the present. Um, I can't condense that into like an outro <laughs> no, sentence. No, yeah. uh, so maybe, like you said, maybe it is the most niche. But uh, I'm into we'll, it. But <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.